Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. Today is Friday, August the 25th, 2023, and our calling number is 563-999-3581. However, the first hour is pre-recorded. Dr. Tim hopefully will be back with us on Monday. He asked me to play Way of Mastery Lesson 10. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people and using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free on the Internet at whyagain.org. If you go to that web page and click on the Start Here link in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? That chapter of the book contains a narrative description of the primary tool in this work, a tool called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect in my life to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships for almost 18 years now. It's also a tool that allows me to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. It's built right into our consciousness, right into our ability to be aware. And you can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it, and use it as often as you'd like, absolutely free. And while Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice work tirelessly to provide these things, they frequently remind us that While they make these things available for free, they have not figured out how to do it for nothing. So they are paying for the Internet show, and they're paying for the website, and they're paying for their travel when they go to give a presentation. So if any of the work they're doing and and working so diligently to make available to you is benefiting you, if you have the financial resources to do that, you're encouraged to donate so they can keep doing the work they're doing. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. 
If you do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see a glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will allow you to download a completely free and private app. That app contains the Reality Management Worksheet, an abbreviated version of the worksheet process, and a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows just like this one where people have actually called in with a problem or concern and chosen to do a worksheet process, and they've been stepped through the worksheet process live on the show. If you choose to listen to those, they can serve as a tutorial for you to figure out how to get the most benefit from this powerful, life-changing tool. You can also uh, choose to join us for a support group. We have two support groups, one on Thursday night, one on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central. And all the information you would need to join us for one of those support groups is available at mindshiftersacademy.org. And I like to remind people, because it occasionally happens, that people try and log in to the Tuesday group using the Thursday login information, and it doesn't work so well. So there's a separate page for each worksheet, I mean for each um, support group. And the info to log in through Zoom is available at mindshiftersacademy.org. Also on that website you'll find various audio files, highlight shows from the Mindshifters Radio, and you'll find specifically the shows we've been doing since January 10th related to the Way of Mastery with Commentary. And so please feel free to check that out and take advantage of that. It's another resource that we make available to try and facilitate people learning and growing in their skill of applying these tools to their lives in a beneficial way. And if you have any comments or questions or testimonials for us, answers, um, requests, you can give us a call at 563-999-3581. When you call that number and press 1, it will put a little hand icon by your phone number and I'll announce it by your area code and turn on the microphone so we can have a conversation. And as I like to say, we greatly appreciate it whenever people choose to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. Our intention with this work is to be of service. And if there is a way that we might be of service to you, please let us know. You can do that by calling 563-999-3581 or sending an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. And if you're um, listening to this in the archive because you don't have the capacity to listen live, if you send us a comment or a question, we will address it on the Internet show and then, as time allows, email you back and let you know what day and time we addressed your comment or question. 
So we're wide open for comments, questions, or suggestions today. Yesterday we finished the review of uh, the Way of Mastery Lesson 9. And... um, So if we don't have any comments or questions today, I'm going to proceed with the review of Lesson 10. And the way of mastery from the first lesson on is trying to help us understand that what Michael Rice likes to talk about is perhaps one of the greatest missteps we've ever taken as was as humans is that we bought into a fallacy, a falsehood that we are victims, that we are not creators. And we've had it hidden from us that our mind energy is a creative, a very powerful creative force and that it's always on. And so from the first lesson on, Way of Mastery is trying to help us correct that misperception and to understand at deeper and deeper levels how we are actually creating our experience of life each moment by what we choose to focus our conscious awareness on and by the thoughts that we give value to and pour our mind energy into. And the first axiom in this work is on, on page five, and it says, nothing you experience is caused by anything outside of you. You experience only the effects of your own choice. And, of course, most of us sit and think, well, I don't want what I've got. I don't want this poverty I'm saddled with. I don't want this physical ailment. I don't want my husband or wife to leave me or my boyfriend to dump me or So a little bit later on in that same page, page 5, the way of mastery lets us know that the way of the heart, and this whole first book of the way of mastery is called the way of the heart, the first 12 lessons. This pathway, this way of looking at things, this way of living your life moment to moment is not the way of the intellect. Last night in the support group, people kept coming up with Yes, but what about, you know, how about, and what does it mean if, and what if I think everything is, uh, all events are neutral, and so it doesn't really matter what I do, and then I go off and I start hurting people and acting in irresponsible ways. And All of those judgments, all of those questions are in the realm of the intellect. And every one of them that leads to a negative conclusion, these deeper spiritual teachings tell us they're all based on false assumptions. If you know anything about the rules of logic and the system of intellectual logic, you will understand that you can take a false premise and start building on it and build a whole system of thought that seems to make perfect sense, except for the fact that it's built on a lie. It's built built on a fundamental falsehood. One of the fundamental falsehoods, fundamental beliefs, is that you could somehow be actually alive, totally awake, totally in touch with your true nature 
and then go do something that hurts yourself or somebody else. And these teachings are trying to wake us up to the fact that that won't happen. All we need to do, we don't need to create love, we don't need to create you know, value in ourselves and others. All we need to do is wake up to the essence of what's already there, to the true value that's already there, to our true nature, to our value, to our role in creation, to wake up to what this series of lessons keeps bringing home to us, the truth that is true always. And what is that truth that is true always? One way that they say it is, I and my Father are one. I and my Creator are one. I can't be separate from the forces that that brought me into existence. And those forces are the same forces that have brought galaxies and planets and the Grand Canyon and every river and every ocean on the planet into existence. And I'm not separate from any of that. Another way they say it is, you remain as you were created to be. You, you were created from the flow of creation itself. You were created to have consciousness, which is connected to every other consciousness, and that never changes. And when you wake up to that, the, 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 these deeper spiritual teachings tell us when you're awake and aware, of that in the moment, it is not possible for you to act in a way that is harmful to yourself or someone else. So all of those intellectual processes and judgments that say, well, wait a minute, Lesson 9 is saying over and over again that all events are neutral, but if I take that position, then the next thing is, well, I don't care what any of what I do, and it doesn't matter if I you know, rob and steal and murder because all events are neutral. That's based on the false premise that it would be possible for you to be in direct conscious connection to the truth of your source and then act that way. And what these spiritual teachings are trying to wake us up to is when you are consciously aware of your true nature and your role in the flow of creation and the power of your mind energy to be a creative force, when you're awake to that, fully aware of that it is not possible for you to be in pain to be in suffering and or to do something that's harmful to yourself or someone else so every time you reach a judgment you're in a contracted state this is from lesson three in in the way of mastery it says if you understood what happened in your mind, in the energy system you call your body, whenever you judge, you'd never judge again because the very cellular structure of this thing you call your physical body ceases to function. The cells don't take in nutrients. They don't eliminate waste. They don't move away from toxins. They don't repair worn-out parts. When you judge, you go into contraction. When you judge, you pull yourself out of the flow of life. When you judge, it's the opposite of what they call love. It's the opposite of being connected to your source, consciously aware of your connection to your source. 
judgment is of the intellectual processes, and judgment can only mechanically chime or churn through whatever it, as an intellect, has been taught to judge and value and weigh and compare and, and be in competition with. And in this book, they say, look, the way of the heart is not the way of the intellect. The way of the intellect is just this mechanical part of your consciousness. It's like this garbage can that's been shoved full of trivialities. Thoughts, judgments, evaluations, rituals, belief systems about what's good and bad and right or wrong, this fruit is good, that fruit is bad, this behavior is acceptable, that behavior is unacceptable. I saw a meme recently that that had uh, an imam, and he's uh, he's dressed in black, and that's a, a holy man from the Muslim tradition. And there was the pope, and he's dressed in white, and he's uh, the holiest of all the holies in the Catholic tradition. And then the meme says, uh, so God told the guy in white that he can't marry or have a wife, but he should drink wine. And God told the guy in black that he can't drink any alcohol, but he should have four wives. That that reminds me of one of my favorite cartoons of all time, and that is there was a, a I think the comic uh, was B.C., and it had these um, three cavemen in the picture, and one of them was on his knees with head forehead to the ground and hands extended out in front of him in front of a pile of rocks that was you know, vaguely looked like a little pyramid-shaped pile of rocks, wider at the bottom and narrower at the top. And and next to that pile of rocks, there was another pile of rocks. And then there were two cavemen standing off to the side. And one of the two that were standing off to the side said, look at Grog, doesn't he look silly? He must not know that our pile of rocks is the real God. <laughs> and I had, I had that cartoon for years because to me that represents a fundamental truth of all religious belief it's just intellectual mechanical you know our God is better than your God kind of, it's like playground stuff you cannot be consciously aware of your true nature and then do something that's harmful to you or anyone else. So all of the intellectual processes that say this is bad, that is good, this is wrong, this is right, we know the truth, somebody else doesn't, all of that is the way of the intellect, and it's nothing more than the garbage that's been shoved into the intellect. Reminds me of what we talked about in one of the earlier lessons where there's the, from the way of mastery, where it says, look, there's this whole thing about manifesting. And if you, you know, if you clear your mind and you do all these little magical prayers and these little rituals, and pretty soon you get the car you want in your driveway. Now, this book is talking to us about how powerful 
as a creative force our mind energy is and that our thoughts are and that the the thoughts that we value are so powerful in creating our experience of life so this book says yes that happens but it's not rare it's not a secret it's what's happening all the time your mind energy as a creative force is always on and the problem with people who want to teach it as though it's a special trick or a trait or a magical thing is that while it can be useful to remind us of the power of our thoughts and intentions and the focus of our mind energy this book says the problem with that is that we can only desire to manifest those things that our culture has told us have value and that we should want to manifest and it, it's a constant parade of jumping from, I want to manifest this so I'll be happy. And then once I manifest this, I'm happy for a moment. And then I generate fear that what if I lose this and then my happiness goes with it. So now I have to be vigilant and protective and I have to buy an alarm system. And I've got to always remember to lock it. And, and then I have these what happens if I lose this thing that I manifested, whether it's the relationship or the car or the money in the bank, etc. And then after a while, because the fear is there, I'm not as happy as I wanted to be after I accumulated this thing or acquired this thing. So then I shift to something else that I think I need to be happy. And then I start doing the manifesting tricks I was taught, and I manifest that because people say, you know what, if you get this, then you'll be happy. But that's just what's been programmed into my mind. And so using this work, using the realization that your mind energy is a creative force, it's always on. Understanding that if you stay stuck in what your family and your culture and your religion have taught you, you will be forever in that cycle of wanting something you don't have, finding some kind of a way to pursue it, either stuck for years pursuing it without satisfaction or achieving it, acquiring it, and then the satisfaction fades away and then you have to find another target in an endless loop of acquiring. That's why Guy Finley says in one of his talks, look, I'll give you something else to, to want to manifest. I'll give you something that has actual value for you to manifest. Manifest a way to be happy in this moment with whatever you have right now. And if you figure out a way to manifest that, which of course we can, and that's what all of this work is about, then you have something of value. And your life will never be the same as long as you continue to apply the knowledge of the benefit of manifesting a way to be happy, content, in the bliss state, in the alignment with your true nature, with whatever you have in this moment. And that leads us to Lesson 10. And the title of Lesson 10 is, The Way is Easy and Without Effort. As we talked about before, if you're a Western mind and you read that, your mind is yelling at you, that's garbage. My life has been arduous. 
it takes a tremendous amount of work and suffering to get what you need in this life. And as we move forward and read through Lesson 10, I will once again remind you to watch for that part of your mind that would rise up in anger or judgment or fear or bitterness or hurt and argue against what's being presented. Because if you start arguing against it, you're not even letting it in. And you can't evaluate it. You can't try it in your life. You can't put it into practice to see if it actually works that way for you in your life unless you're willing to let it sink in, to test it out without pushing it away. And this may not be true. This might be an absolute falsehood that the way is easy and without effort. I want you to test it out. I want you to find ways that you can change what you've been doing your whole life and have a different experience and see if it's possible for the way to be easy and without effort, to see if your life can get better with less struggle. So the text of Lesson 10 reads, Beloved and holy, children of light and love divine, as always, I come forth to abide with you from that place which we share eternally as the one and only begotten Son, meaning offspring of the Creator. The word Son in the ancient language meant anything that arises from something that which is begotten. I am, therefore, that mind which whispers to you in each moment of your inspiration. I am indeed that mind that sneaks into your mind in the space between two fearful thoughts. And in that space between two fearful thoughts, I remind you of the truth that sets you free. Just take a breath or two and think about what that might mean. Think about what your mind does with some sentences about the space between two thoughts. What does that even mean? The intellectual mind can't even comprehend that because the intellectual mind is simply the result of a series of thoughts. So there is no space between thoughts. There is nothing of value in the space between thoughts, even if we can get ourselves to observe the space between thoughts, not to the intellectual mind, because the intellectual mind is literally constructed by the network of thoughts. The text goes on and says, Once I was a man, that is, just like you. I once turned my attention and became identified with a unique being that was birthed in time and faded away from time. And I walked upon your plane as all men and women do. But as I walked upon your planet, I began to ponder the meaning of creation, the purpose of my very existence. And while others seem to be gleefully caught up in, or at least surrendered to the ways of the world, that is, seeking out their momentary distractions, 
their attempts to gain and control as much wealth as they could, and all the rest of it, as that would happen, I would often wander off alone. I would sit beneath the trees beside a flowing stream to try to unlock the mystery that shows forth itself as the beauty of a flower, to try to see the power that revealed itself as the wind that would dance across the grasses, and to count the sparkling diamonds shimmering across the surface of a lake as the morning sun rose to shine its light upon it. I began to learn to ask that source, capital S, source, that mystery of creation, Father, Mother, Creator, Source, One that has birthed me, why am I? Where am I? Who am I? Now, you know, as a sidebar here, I remember the first time I heard about a guru from India whose entire teaching for, you know, months and months and months, if not years and years, would be to ask his pupils the question, who are you? Just over and over and over again. And, of course, whenever that guru had a Western pupil, the first several dozen answers to the question, who are you, would be, a name, a gender, a political identification, a job, a career, a history of work experiences. I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a son to my mom, I'm a son to my dad, I'm Tom's brother, etc. Dozens of responses. And of course, the guru would say, No, that's not who you are. Sit with it. Understand at deeper levels. Who are you? Who are you? To truly understand who you are. The truth that is true always, that you are this essence of the creative flow of energy expressing in form. That you are a spark of the one mind of consciousness. What does that really mean? These are words, but what do they really mean? We don't know. But this is what Yeshua is saying he began to question when he was a young man and a boy. I began to ask, why am I? Why do I exist? Not why am I here in this location on the planet, or why am I interacting with this person or that person. A deeper question, why do I exist at all? Where am I? What is the true nature of this set of sensations I have that I call awareness of where I am. Who am I? What's the truth of of my nature? The text goes on to say, my desire increasingly became to know the truth that could set all mankind free. I discovered that unless that freedom became fully manifested in me, It made no sense to talk about it with others. So 
I sought out the greatest of minds, the best of teachers. And yes, I was blessed by a family structure that was already dedicated to understanding the mysteries of what they knew as God or Creator. They led me to many such teachers. As my own wisdom began to evolve, the teachers would look at me and say to one another, Wow, something interesting is occurring here in this son of Joseph. But there were those who already knew more about me than I yet knew about myself. People like prophets and seers and astrologers and the wise ones of many cultures, they knew already that into the framework of the consensus mind of mankind, which you call the collective consciousness, into that there was to be dropped a pebble, a disruption in the force, a change in the energy. Into that still clear pool, a thought, a consciousness, a movement of questioning that would create ripples that would begin to change how the consciousness of humankind perceived itself. I did not yet know these things for myself, for my very birth into this world was veiled in mystery. It was a mystery for me just as your birth was veiled in mystery for you as you took on being human. As I grew, I began to have revealed to me in the depth of my silent prayer and in the depth of my very silent meditation, I had revealed to me glimmers, insights, recognitions, and remembrances of other dimensions. I began to develop the ability to be in communication with masters of my lineage who had long since left the planet. I began to understand that consciousness is not limited to space and time and the volume of a body at all. As I watched the people in their busy work, I began to see that the vast majority of beings totally confused themselves, their essence, with their body. They lived as if they dwelt within the body and therefore they were imprisoned in some strange way. They lived as if what occurred to the body occurred to them. They lived as if they did not know that they could transcend the body at any moment, that they could taste the vast expanse of consciousness, that they could journey to other times and places with little more than a surrendering of attention to the world they had made. At first, I did not understand these things, and I perceived myself to be quite odd. Within me, there were conflicts as the fears in my consciousness arose, the fears that are a part of the human consensus reality. Fears like, quote, shall I remain like everyone else? Perhaps I should return to my father's carpentry shop 
and simply accept that I'm destined to just be a carpenter. Close quotes. However, there were other voices that spoke to me and called to me. They would come to me often in the night. And as I developed my ability to discern these other realities, these other dimensions, by shifting my attention from the world of the body to the world of inner vision, often they would come to me in the night and stand by my bed. I came to know who they were. I came to recognize the masters and teachers of a very ancient lineage, of which I was just a part. They would come and they would whisper to me things like, quote, forget not the purpose for which you are sent forth from the mind of the Creator. For through you shall be birthed the beginning of an ancient remembrance, and your life shall become that which demonstrates to many the truth that only love is real, close quote. Now, this this idea that is being talked about here as though Yeshua had that message from his lineage introduced to this in the last lesson, lesson nine, where it says everyone is a minister. You cannot help but minister to the world in each moment. Therefore, you could choose to begin your ministry of enlightened consciousness now. Imagine a world with 10 million awakened children, offspring of the Creator. Imagine a multitude of human beings on the planet all at the same time who are awakened to their connection to the Christ mind. That's what is being asked of us. Yeshua says that was what was being asked of him by his visitors in the middle of the night from the ancient lineage. It's also what the way of mastery suggests is possible for each and every person who's called to this work. The text goes on to say, the point of all this is simple. I want to convey to you yet again that the life I lived as a man was not unlike your very own. I began veiled in mystery, a child among children, a human being struggling to make sense of his world. Yes, there was within me something that was calling me, a longing to know something that the world did not seem to teach, Yet at the same time, isn't it true for you if you're listening to this kind of a teaching, if you're following the Mind Shifters Radio, if you're listening to the way of mastery over and over with these in-depth things, isn't it true that there's a part of you that has felt that same kind of a call, some urge to get it different, to, to experience life more fully, more lovingly, more peacefully, more blissfully? 
that same longing to touch what is invisible, to see what cannot be seen with the eyes, to hear what human ears have never heard, to embrace what arms cannot touch, to abide in perfect peace and perfect trust. Just just let that sink in. Why are you listening to someone read a spiritual teaching? Why do you pick up any spiritual teaching? Isn't it true that there's a part of you that yearns and longs and has been answering a calling to have an experience that transcends what your senses can offer, what you've been trained or conditioned by your culture to believe is true. The text goes on and says, Beloved friends, understand well. I say to you yet again that I, Yeshua, come only as your brother and your friend. I come to you as one who has walked as you walk, one who has breathed as you breathe, one who has cried as you cry, one who has laughed as you laugh. I am as you are. If there be anything that I can give unto you, it is simply this. As you look upon your life and every event that unfolds in it, Every time you feel that you have failed, every time that you become conflicted, every time that you are sure you will never be able to transcend all these ups and downs and emotional waves that seem to come with living in your world, remember, I have overcome that world. And because I have done it, it is already done for you. Why? Because we share the same infinite field of mind that far transcends all levels and dimensions of manifestation. You can tap into what has already occurred. You need only look upon me as your brother and friend and acknowledge that the world has been overcome. And then accept the freedom, which is the effect of overcoming this, and accept it as your own. You don't have to create it. Life, the flow of life, infinite abundance, joy, bliss has already been created. It's your heritage. It's the birthright of every human. And yet, on top of that has been layered countless intellectual trivialities, as this book would call them, that hide from us our true nature. This reminds me of, in, in the ancient Aramaic, there's a word, the, the word may come to me, but the word was then translated into something in Greek and then something in English, and it came down to us as the word faith. But as the scholars take a look at that and trace it back to the original Aramaic word, they find that it doesn't mean blind adherence to something that can't be seen or felt or touched. That the word faith has a lot more to do with the concept of getting 
consciously connected to your true nature at the core, the source of your being, right? Connecting to your true core essence and source, like this, that, that will eventually be revealed to you if you ask questions like, who am I? What am I? Where am I? Why am I here? Why do I exist at all? What's my essence? And then once you're consciously connected to the rooted center of your being, then you take an action. Then you speak a word. Then you breathe, and your breath carries the creative force with it. Faith used to mean acting from the awareness of the rooted center of your being. Acting after you've gotten consciously tuned into the fact that you are a part of the flow of all life and creation. And as we were talking about earlier in the introduction to this work, if I'm actually conscious of that, it is not possible for me to act in a way that's harmful to myself or someone or something else. So this text goes on and says, so so that you might learn to sit in your chair after your five minutes of abiding as a Christ and say to yourself, quote, Here I am free. Heaven is now. The past is passed away and I choose anew. This day I commit myself to teaching only love by sharing only loving thoughts. This one day, I will look upon each one that comes into my experience and I will first breathe deeply the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It's an elemental force specific to humans that's implanted in each and every one of us at the moment of our inception. And it's there to help break off the effects of our errors in thought and guide us to truth and happiness peace and happiness, light and love, if we just ask it to. This one day, I will look upon everyone who comes into my experience, and before I interact with them, I will take a breath. I will breathe deeply into the awareness of my true nature and their true nature and how we are connected by the flow of life and these elemental forces that have given rise to us. And then as I look out through my eyes, they will have been transformed. And the simple truth will be acknowledged. All minds are joined. And the person in front of me is not a stranger to me. A person in front of me is my brother or sister, my fellow traveler, a being of brilliance and light. Even if they're acting in a way isn't very loving, that isn't rooted in their conscious awareness of their true nature. If they're acting in any way other than loving, it means they've either temporarily forgotten or they've yet to discover their brilliance. And yet that does not change their essence. Just like nothing, nothing I've ever done that I would count a success and nothing I've ever done that I would count a failure has ever increased or decreased my value as a person. My essence is not changed 
by the thoughts that flow through my mind or the things I've, quote, accomplished, close quotes. So today I commit myself to teaching only love by sharing only loving thoughts. In order to accomplish that, I'm going to have to look upon everyone that comes into my experience and remind myself that they are a being of brilliance and light, just like I am, that we are connected through the essence of the creative flow and the one mind. And I will look out then through my eyes, having been transformed by the simple acknowledgement of the truth that all minds are joined. And the person in front of me is not a stranger. This is a fellow traveler, a fellow brother or sister, a fellow being of brilliance and light. This is one who walks as I walk, who feels as I feel, who longs as I long, who is humbled as I am humbled, and who prays for peace as I have prayed for peace. Therefore, in the next moment, I will breathe and soften and reconnect to my source, and I will extend to them the peace for which they seek, which is my birthright and theirs. It's the essence of the creative energy flowing through each of us. And I will stay consciously connected to that as I think, speak, and act in their presence. And that's how I will teach only love. And just that much is a practice that will change your life Every time I've managed to do that, it's changed my experience of life dramatically. Even at in the throes of a, uh, an intense series of events that one might call a tragedy, whether it's a car accident or somebody seriously wounded or a financial arrangement where somebody's been unethical and stolen thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars from me, when I'm able to do that practice, when I'm able to remind myself to take a breath and get centered, when I'm able to remind myself that everyone I encounter is another being of brilliance and light just like myself, and they're either acting from the rooted center of their being and their conscious connection to that, or their actions could be viewed by me and everyone around them as a cry for help and healing. So hidden here, Lesson 10, is yet another specific, very practical tool. I can make a decision multiple times a day to decide to teach only love. I can decide to take a breath and reconnect with my source and my true nature. Breathe and soften prior to every interaction with every person. And I can remind myself, look, I don't know who made me. I don't know when I was created. I don't know who made the person in front of me or when they were created. I don't know anything. Somebody does. There's some reason that we're here. There's some flow of creative force giving rise to all of this. I could choose to ask to be taught by that flow of life, by some 
in intelligence that's far more integrated and far more powerful than my conscious logical mind. So I think I'll do that. I think I'll ask to be taught. I think I'll open myself to be shown. I think I'll start to tap into what so many of these great spiritual teachings tell me about how every person is a being of brilliance and light. In every moment that I ask to be shown, I can be opened to a flow of energy that goes far beyond what my physical senses might register. I can learn to look behind what my senses are telling me, what my eyes show me and the pictures my mind create, to see the shimmering radiance, as it talks about in the way of mastery, that underlies all things. This is a very specific, practical exercise that is being suggested. And most people, my experience has been, most people when we read through this, they miss that as an exercise. They'll, they'll understand that here's this exercise, sit in a chair for five minutes a day and envision, imagine, experience what it would be like to be a creator. Wake up to the fact that your, your thoughts are always creating whatever you point them towards. And then maybe you want to choose to experience what it would be like to, to be Christ, to experience being that level of creator. And there's a very specific exercise. But a little bit later on, kind of slipped right in the middle of a page here, is another very specific exercise. And it says, I could choose every day or multiple times a day to be conscious about what I do with my mind energy and my interactions with others. I could choose to remind myself that I'm free that I have the power of choice of what I choose to focus my conscious awareness upon and that's what creates my experience of life moment to moment, that the essence of that bliss state that so many people are pointing towards or calling towards or this thing they call heaven, heaven is a present moment experience available to everyone. It's here now. What's happened in the past is gone. I don't have a time machine. I can't go back and change it. And yet, in this moment, I can choose anew. So today, in this moment, I'm going to commit myself to teaching only love. How do I do that? By sharing only loving thoughts. So this day, this very day, I will choose to look upon every person I interact with and before I interact with them, before I let my thoughts race off with them, before I open my mouth to say anything to them, I will breathe and center myself in my true nature. I will bring my conscious awareness to this essence of the Holy Spirit, this elemental force for humans that's available to break off the effects of our errors in thought and guide us to truth and happiness if we just ask it to. And I will ask to be reminded how to see everyone I interact with as a being of brilliance and light. To be reminded that they are just as I am. That they walk as I walk, they feel as I feel, they long as I long. 
They are humbled as I am humbled. They have prayed for peace as I have prayed for peace. They are not a stranger. They are my brother and sister. They are a fellow companion on the path. They are a being of brilliance and light, an extension of the creative energy in form. And they're either acting from that awareness or they've either temporarily forgotten or yet to discover that brilliance. So as I become connected to that, as I remind myself of their essence and my essence, I will stay connected to my essence as I breathe and soften and let only thoughts that are loving about myself and them come to fruition and act and speak only from those thoughts. And in that way, I will give to them, I will extend to them the peace that comes from that conscious awareness of our true nature that is our joint birthright, and by giving it to them, I will receive it more fully myself. I will extend love to them in each new present moment as a specific exercise that's laid out, just hidden here in the middle of page 123 in the way of mastery. Not even labeled as a specific exercise, but very much a practical how-to to improve the quality of your life and your interactions with everyone you interact with all day, every day. And my experience, as I mentioned earlier, is that every single time I have remembered to do that, it has transformed my experience in ways words can't describe, whether it was through the drama and the intensity of a car accident or a verbal screaming match between people, or you know, uh, breaking down, sobbing, crying of somebody in response to an intense situation in their life, or somebody, you know, literally stealing tens of thousands of dollars from me, it dramatically transforms my experience of life when I remember to step into that exercise. So again. Thank you all for being here. I thank you for your willingness to experiment with these teachings and usher yourself into a different experience of your life. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love. And everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Hour of Mindshifters Radio. And uh, today is Friday, August 25th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And let me see if Michael has dialed in yet. I'll be right back with you. getting Michael to uh, go ahead and dial in. The uh, Tim's show completed just a moment early, and so he hadn't dialed in yet. So we'll give him just a minute. And uh, we've got a good group of people on the switchboard. It's good to see you. And in the chat room, welcome to the show. And 
as I always say, go to the website, whyagain.org, and look around. If you find any URL, anything that's not working, please let me know. Drop me a line at genie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org, and I'll get it fixed. And Michael should be with us in just a second. And please press 1. Let's have a conversation. Yesterday, we ended up cutting the show about 15 minutes early because Michael had completed what all he was going to say, and nobody was asking questions. And so we would love to hear from you. We want this show to support you. This is your show. I'm not on switchboard yet. Hold on a second. Apologies. Technical difficulties here. And... If you're not familiar with their app, while I'm waiting on him to get on the switchboard, you can go to your phone store, whether it's iPhone or whether it's Android, and it's a free download. It's Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. Totally private app. No matter what you put in there, you're the only one that sees it. And uh, we don't ask for permissions for anything except to use the Internet while you're using the app. And uh, the way that it works, but it's totally private. And I'm going to welcome Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted and honored that you're here with us today to uh, move into this conversation about first century Aramaic forgiveness. And uh, I have a special guest with me. And let me just see now. I need to... uh, See if we can get all this connected. Just give me one second. Okay, so we should have Miss Nene on the phone with us. Are you there, young lady? Hello? Hello, Nene. Well, excuse us, we've got some complication going here. Hello? Hello? Okay, I'm back again. My apology, we're having some telephone difficulties here. and let me see if I can work that out. I I hope that you're hearing me, and my apology, Jeannie has a, a complication going on, and so we've got a technology problem here. If uh, if you can hear me, I would appreciate it if you just quick send me a text if you have my number, and then I'm going to see if I can go ahead and reconnect with that person that uh, we were just speaking with. Just give me one second here. Okay, Nene, are you with me?
Well, I'm not sure what's happening. My apology, folks. We've got some problems here. Technical issues. Okay, Michael is going to dial back in. He, for some reason, the call dropped on him. I'm not sure what that's about. So, the um. what's going on. He's dialing back in. Hold on. Apologies again. He's dialing back in and we do have a hand up. So if you'll hold just one moment and uh, we will get your microphone. There he is. Okay. And Michael, we do have a hand up. Okay, and uh, well, I've also I've been trying to conference in with someone. Nene had wanted to uh, share something, and I've been trying to get her connected, but it seems that whenever I uh, I put so her in line, number and I'll I'll do an invite. Disconnects. Okay, I'll try to do it I, that I way think, from the switchboard. Okay, remember she can't call in from her phone. So we have to call her. So I don't know. Uh, let's go ahead and, and answer the call that uh, that we've got on. Uh, okay. Uh, with Rama our hand up. is and, on. Eight oh eight. You're apologies. on the air. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. But I'd fill How in are you? Space. Well, um, things are getting better. Um, the fire in Maui was on the other side of the island from me. Right. You know, life seems normal here, um, but it's not. Um, there's a kind of strange, I don't know, it, there's a strange feeling, <laughs> and it's different every day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's there's so much trauma that I'd imagine that the you know, that energy's gonna be in the air with for anyone who doesn't know, Roma lives on Maui and is calling from Maui right now where all the fires were. And it's just horrendous. I haven't heard a recent update, but uh... it it's a weird feeling of, of it's almost like a, a dizzy feeling, you know. And it's different every day. It's just strange. But, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. But you know. And how are you stuff. doing personally? Oh, um. <laughs> well, I I turned eighty on July 11th. Oh my gosh! And it was happy like, eternal day. Yeah. We've been hanging out for a long time. Yeah, I've been um, on this program with you for like I don't know 35 years. Well. Twelve years on the radio show. Oh yeah, but right, uh, right. for many many years before that, it's got to be getting what close to thirty, or maybe a little better than thirty. Maybe thirty. Since your first years. time to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I first encountered you. You were a guest speaker at the Unity 
uh, at Unity Village, and I was working as a local soloist for the Sunday services. And right. That was that was when I met you, and uh, you totally changed my life, Michael. <laughs> well, glad to be on the team and just doing my job. Yeah, right. But you know, it's yeah. interesting that you created a job that nobody else on the planet was doing. I'm grateful for that. So am I. I am, uh, you know, it's, it's, when I look back over the years, it's, it's kind of like it was partially accident and partially, you know, I was just moved into it without even making the choice. So, uh, I am deeply, deeply appreciative of, of the fact that, uh, to me, it was divine guidance that put you where you are, you know, made you available and made this teaching available and, I'm I'm really really grateful for it. Awesome. It's a awesome. Day. Guys, sunny and blue and bright. And uh, so I just thought I'd call in. Hopefully, your other caller is available now. So. Um. <laughs> All right, young lady. Appreciate you and holding the space, extending love to everybody and. Hawaii, with all that's gone down, it's a, it's been a, it's pretty traumatic, a tragic occurrence. Yeah, yeah, really, really. pretty, pretty bizarre. Yeah. And I've been doing more research on, you know, the reasons why and what has happened. You know, why did, uh, why did Lahaina in particular get into the kind of dry condition that it was in? It seems like there are a lot of circumstances that are being reviewed by people and hope that the outcome is the highest and best, especially for the native Hawaiian people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole island is pretty dry. I mean, the highway coming, yeah. I live up to it, drive down the mountain to go to the, you know, to, to go to Costco. <laughs> right. Um, it's pretty, it was pretty dry. So, I mean, you know, the grass was not green, it was yellow. Right. But it's green up here where I live. Good. There were fires up there. There were like four fires going on at the same time simultaneously. It was really pretty strange. Really? We're holding the space. Yeah, yeah. I think we're harvesting uh, global warming now. So, anyway, God bless everybody, and we're fine here. We're recovering. All right. Take care. Blessings. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, let me check and see. Uh, Nene, are you with us? I am here. I'm with Uh, you. Oh, awesome. Hey there, young lady. A little bit of technical difficulty, but we made it. And uh, I I got a text from Nene. Some of you may recognize Nene Ortega uh, and may not, but she's been doing this work for about a dozen years now and sent me a celebratory text this morning. And I won't share what she said, and I'm going to leave that for her to share. So tell me about what's happening, Nene. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Very happy to be here at my sister's radio. Um, Well, I texted Michael because I reached my 5,000th worksheet yesterday, last night in 12 years, that it's about um, 34 worksheets a month for 12 years. And I'm very happy. It's been 
the more I do it, it has a deeper and a more fantastic um, experience, insight. That's pretty amazing. Tell us about how that's impacted you. Well, it has, uh, first of all, it releases this away, and that, that um, Shabbat process of uh, breaking with the repetitive mind has given me a lot of healing. It, it's been a process. And I've had all the experiences of all the symptoms, and it's loving the truth and all the symptoms of healing. And many, many new goals that I've written there, they've been, um, they came through. You know, they manifested. Not immediately, some very fast, others in time, but in overall, my relationship with myself and with my internal being, that supreme being inside, it's um, stronger. It is. It is indeed. Tell me about, Nene, how uh, you started this work and how you first were attracted to it. I remember it was 2011 at the Center for Spiritual Living Fort Lauderdale. It was uh, January 2nd or 3rd or 4th, very early. And I, because I've, was been, I've been always interested in growing and the healing, I read that you were coming and I attended the workshop. And from, right. I was amazed and happy impressed with the clarity of the process of the information you were given because there were many things that I knew but I never had any other person talking about it and and from the first worksheet I remember that feeling of relieving you know release releasing a grudge and releasing little pain um, the internal dialogue of that repetitive mind. So I continued, and I remember I was one of the first uh, people who did the 40, five worksheets 40 days. I remember right. the first, right. I was one of the first challenges. And then I remember you had that year, you came to Florida many times, several times, and I drove wherever you were. And You became a groupie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, one of the things that I uh, I like to think about when you come to mind is that um, session that we did in Miami where I taught the course in English and simultaneously you taught the course in Spanish. That was really uh, yes. pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. I've only ever done that one other time, and that was with a Tibetan master who taught it in Tibetan while I taught it in English. We did a similar process to what you and I did back then, yeah. and that's what that's got to be 11 years ago now. 11 years ago. I remember yeah. that. And um, one of the ideas that stayed with me, Michael, is once you explain that it's not thinking positive is not enough. You have to dismantle. You have to go in, in direct relationship with that part of you that has been hidden to truly clean it up and then 
naturally flow in the positive, constructive um, mode, I would say. Right. Yes, that that uh, disease of premature positive thinking is definitely not the answer. Positive thinking is certainly a wonderful thing, but if I do it prematurely and I don't deal with the underlying dynamics, then I'm just reinforcing uh, the, the quote-unquote negative with my positive thinking. So, yeah, that uh, that intermediate step is so important to do. You're right on track with that. Yes, I always keep that in mind. And last night I, I was watching a series and I had a thought in my mind of them, of my internal uncomfort immediately. I took my my pen and paper, <laughs> my book, and I did uh, the number, you know, 5,000. And it really uh, clears my mind. And it, it is an overall um, wellness, overall feeling of um of release, really, very peaceful serenity. And the other thing, I remember when I took them, the the course for them, teach, the teaching training. Teaching training, why is this happening to me again? Yeah. It was fantastic. It really, for me, it was uh, life-changing, transforming. I remember that. And then I never ate again the way I used to. And I was already starting to be a vegetarian. But I also truly, completely believe in the uh, raw eating and then, you know, the benefits we have with uh, eating differently. Right. That also has uh, had a great impact. As a matter of fact, I just finished writing a book about superior um, food, superior eating habits. It has really been very comforting and more than that very healing and very empowering so when you when you came to heartland was that your first introduction to eating total fresh and raw yes like we did during yes. the intensive yes yeah. and, and what was your progression from there i mean did you instantly shift over to total fresh and raw which is pretty rare uh well i would say maybe 70 percent 70 percent yes and, you know, and throughout these years, the more I work on myself, the, you know, the meditation, the Shabbat, the mind shifters, exercise, all that, I am closer and closer to more fruits and fresh vegetables. Sometimes I go, you know, I, I visit some coffee shops, and then I look at the <laughs> breads and all that, and I can't believe I used to eat that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even remember it exists. Really? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Shock yourself, oh, eh? That's yeah, cool. Sure. So or your I, book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, now, your book, are you, is it going to be published in English or just in Spanish? Well, I, I wrote it in Spanish because I really want to support the Hispanic and Spanish uh, population, culture. Right. Into this, with this. Yeah, it's insanity. And, and I, I can express myself better, even though sure. I learn in English. For me, um, it's easier to write in Spanish. Right. Now, did you include a section on forgiveness in your book? I did. Awesome. Actually, it's called cool. Shabbat, the Code of Superior Nutrition. That will be the, the, the title in English. 
Shabbat, the code, like the Meshi code. Right, right. The Shabbat code of superior nutrition. Cool. And I read many books, not only uh, your books of forgiveness, but only the Rita, Rita, remember? Uh, Rita Romano. Rita Romano. Mm-hmm. Rita Romano. And many other, uh, Furman, Dr. Hyman, Dr. Amy, many people, and they all, you know, come into the benefits of eating eating raw, eating fresh vegetables, how do you, you improve your life, and also the planet, the impact you have on the planet right. and on the spiritual energy and, and everything, and really empowers you to have a different vitality, it, definitely. It is, it is very cool. Like, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple of um, of um, videos I think on our website on our YouTube channel where we did the Y workshop in Spanish and uh, and then you did some work with it uh, through uh, another group and so it's it's a delight to just see how you've picked it up in your world and especially I'm so appreciative of you bringing it into the Spanish okay. culture, you know, bring it into other countries. It's just awesome. I'm just, you know, delighted and honored that you uh you picked it up and uh and you know, it's 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 amazing and it's a delight to see what you've done with it, how you've shared it with others. It's just fabulous. Hi, thank you, thank you. Uh, so I still have every other week, I'm going to forward you the invitation in Spanish. Um, so you can add it in your web. Um, it's called Shabbat Meditation. Um, I also have that every other Saturday. Right. And I've had groups of, you know, 10, 12 people from different, Spain, Mexico, Venezuela, United States. It's in Spanish. So I've been, it's almost a year and a half now, and very nice. And some, peop, some people get really, you know, you have to do it. Like you, you, you want to shape your body and your legs and your tummy, you have to do those sit-ups or, you know, or do whatever you have to do. You have to do the work. Now, are you doing, are you doing those on video? Yes, they are on YouTube. Yes, I... I video the meditation. Yes, I do. Cool. Well, if you'd like, we'd be happy to post some of them on our, our YouTube channel and okay. uh, and put links to them on the website. And uh, it's just fabulous to see it happening. Yes. And are you still making planning to move to Venezuela? Is that still in your uh, in yes. your uh, thinking? Yes, I've been doing a lot of worksheets about it because there's always something. But I, let's see, if I had eight different goals for me to go to, that I have to reach before leaving. And I am, I think, in number five. I have three more goals to, you to complete, things to complete so I can move back. Yes. Right. I think, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what kind of time frame does that look like? I would say uh, six more months. Oh, nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, so congratulations. Far. That's pretty pretty fabulous. So yeah, thank and you. you will have to make sure to uh, stay in communication with us from there and keep us posted on 
how it's going. And by the way, when when Nene is saying the word Shabak, if you're not familiar with it, if you're you know, not familiar with the Aramaic term, the word that's been translated from Aramaic by the Greeks into the word forgiveness is the word Shabak or Shabak. And it literally means to cancel and recognizing that it's goals that drive perception. And when you cancel goals, perception collapses and you get to look at what's underneath it. And there's where the healing work is done. So cleaning up the mind. Yes. And um, Michael, I want to add that we always talk about this, that whenever I have a Shabbat, I always have a theme for this Shabbat meditation. Uh, like tomorrow is going to be mindfulness, to be completely present in your life. And right. the other day was how to, you know, be more productive using your time, how to time management, things like that. And then I asked when, when we start, I said, you know, in the chat, is it by, via Zoom, I said, please in the chat write a goal or something that you have been difficulties or it comes back. So people tell me I want this and that. It's Usually I have done that worksheet before, or it's a theme. It also concerns me. It's so hilarious. That law of resonance, right, and what you draw to you? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. It's amazing every time. You know, one of the, and I'm sure I've, shared this thought with you before, but one of the things over the years that I've shared with people who want to teach is, and especially every people are like, well, I'm going to travel and teach like you do. It's like, no, wait, stay home, work through what's going to come up mm-hmm. with the people that you resonate into your space before you get on the road, because it's expensive to do it on the road. Do it at home where it's cheaper and you get that practice in place before you uh, you move to the level where you're paying the expenses of being on the road while you're, you're learning to teach. So, Because, it, yeah, there's no question about it. Whatever we haven't worked through, we're going to attract somebody who's going to play it out with us. And, uh, it's yeah, and, these, and, these are, and these are people, Michael, that come for the first time. A friend of a friend told me about that, and they are, I see them for the first time, and I say, please write, you know, your concern, what's the goal you want to reach, and blah, blah. And it's amazing. It's the energy. It's like we are a bunch of neutrons, electrons, and protons, all of, you know, each one. So it doesn't matter where you are. You explain that once in, in your course. Quantum physics works. Quantum physics. Yes. And on the level where we're creators, that's what needs to be understood. So, well, congratulations, 5,000 worksheets in 12 years. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Very happy. And we continue. All right. Well, keep us posted, young lady. Any other thoughts for you today before we go? Well, um, I just invite everybody to go and check that worksheet. You have different ones. I have one that is called, I called it Shabbat Express. It's only seven steps. That's the one I recommend to start. And right. then you have the longer one with the 12 steps. So no matter in the level where you are there right now, go for it. Take your pen and paper and start doing the worksheets because it's really your, your responsibility as a creator. You can't change many. You do. You can't change 
Yes. And what's the name of your book again in Spanish? El Código Shabbat Alimentación Superior. Okay. And when are you expecting it's going to be published? Are you going to have it on Amazon or? Yeah, both in October. Awesome. Yeah, in October. Yeah. Well, perhaps when it comes out in October, we can do a, a call. We can talk about it on the radio show and introduce it to our audience and uh, see what support we can be in getting it out there and making it available. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Cool. Sweet. Okay. All right, young lady. Danae, I just yes. went over and Here. looked. You know, we, for those who don't know, we have a whole page on Spanish, and a lot of the worksheets um, are translated by Nene. And I just looked, and I've got your seven step, but I don't have your 12 step. If you'll send that to me in a, a PDF format, I'll put it out on that page as well. Sure, most certainly. And we do have one of your meditations uh, in the YouTube link on the Spanish page too. So, okay, I will appreciate you, you the other ones. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it's been very cool. Yes. Awesome. Most well, thank grateful. you for uh, joining and uh, and sharing your celebration with us. That's just awesome. You know, I there's one other time. I was actually on the road in Florida. I was in a restaurant, and a businessman in his jack, you know, suit and tie came over to me and said, you're, you're Michael Rice, aren't you? I said, yes. And he reached in his pocket, and he had eight and a half by 11 sheets folded in half in his inside jacket pocket. And I remember him pulling out his worksheet and putting it in front of my face, and he he was on worksheet, I remember the number, he was on worksheet number 1831. That goes back, geez, 25 years ago in Florida. So right. it's, uh, it's nice to hear that 5,000 mark reached and rocking on. That's just I'm rocking on. <laughs> awesome. All right, young lady, you have a blessed one. Yeah, Appreciate so you. do you. Hugs. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, for sure. That uh, Nene has uh, stayed with the tools. 5,000 worksheets in 12 years. Pretty awesome. Maybe if you're out there in listener land, you might just uh, you know hit one and uh, tell us where you're at with your worksheet process. What... Uh, what number are you on? Are you keeping track with your worksheet? We've got that spot for people to put the number in it. Have you been keeping track? And if so, how many have you done? And what's the impact been? What's what's happening in your world? In, Beyond in that, Miss Jeannie, I, do we have anybody else on the phone to a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? Uh, no, but I did get a um, email from a lady. And oh, cool. she said, uh, I have been on the last three calls with Yinka's Book Club. And I've been on several radio shows, but I'm always on the go. And it's difficult for me to call in and ask questions. She's listening today. The right. situation is very stressful and so much weight on my shoulders. I have a few questions I need your help with. I'm a single mom. I have a 13-year-old son who's diagnosed with autism when he was two. He's nonverbal for the most part, and now that hormones are kicking in, his behaviors are sometimes extremely aggressive and are getting intense with physical aggression towards me at times and destruction of property. 
broken windows, holes in the wall. I'm grateful for my best friend, Julia. She's been on the show multiple times. And I found right. you through um, Alexandra in the book club because I know this is the missing link to helping my son through the challenge of autism and all the limits it puts on their lives. I know this is my life purpose to see this challenge through for my son as well as all the other families that were meant to live life without special needs limitations. First of all, I need tips on how to stay in the place of love when I'm physically in altercations with my son and trying to stay safe and get him in a position on the floor so he can't attack me and so that he is also safe. He's he's already an inch taller than me. He's 5'10", extremely strong, and when he has meltdowns, he tries to kick, hit, punch me. He screams so loud and high-pitched. It's Hmm. like something from a horror movie, and it goes right through me, wakes me up, usually at 3 or 4 a.m. half of the time, screaming and pounding on the walls. How can I possibly handle this by staying in love and raising his vibration to mine when his behaviors, screaming, and physical combat are so intense it rocks me to the core? I practice, practice, practice at less extreme moments, but at times when it gets really intense, I feel like it doesn't matter how much I have practiced. It's not possible to not be rocked by this extreme behavior. I get so mad when he destroys things because I have to work three jobs as it is just to pay the bills and keep food on the table. So when he puts holes in things and breaks the remote and other things, then it costs more money um, to waste fixing and replacing things. Any advice you could offer is greatly appreciated. Thank you for doing this work and teaching the truth about the process of forgiveness. It's definitely making a huge difference in our lives for the most part. I just need to help. I just need help to handle things better when my son's behavior is at the most extreme. I'll be on the call today, listening online. My phone connectivity at my house is choppy, so I thought it would be better to email you the situation and question instead of trying to call in live. Thanks again for everything you guys do. I love and appreciate you. Well, Karen, uh, the first thing I'll offer is just um, you know, extending love in your direction. What a challenging situation you're in. And uh, holding you both in a blessing. If, if you're listening to the show and you've got the space, uh, it would be nice to be able to interact with you and, uh, and have a conversation. So if you can uh, just push one, it would be... She's listening on her computer. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the... One of the first things that comes to mind is that uh, I don't know if you've been on a show where we've talked about the device called the Avacyn. It's a heat therapy device. And one of the things that it does is that it mimics a fever. Basically, it's a, a device about the size of a bread box. You put your hand in it, with, you put a mitt on your hand, and you put your, the palm of your hand on a heat plate, and a vacuum forms around the hand, which brings blood into the extra blood into the hand and heats the blood and continues to circulate. The blood that is heated circulates into the body, and within about 10 minutes or so, 
the temperature of the blood throughout the whole body is raised by about eight tenths of a degree. And one of the things that they found in many cases with autism is that this changes autistic dynamics in the autistic child. And uh, so I don't know if that's uh, something that uh, you might want to have a conversation about. Um, Unfortunately, it's not an inexpensive device, although for a medical device and what it does, to me it's one of the most uh, amazing. It's the only medical device in the world that I know of that uh, virtually everybody uses. It says, I love the side effects of my medical treatment. It's approved by the FDA for pain management and for muscle relaxation. Many people go into a calm down state and and sleep when they put their hand in it, when they get the, the impact of that warming of the blood. And they've found that uh, there's a significant impact with, with people with autism. And uh, if, um, you know, Jeannie, if you would send an email back and give her my personal phone number, I'd be glad to have a conversation and see if there's a way to, to work something out that uh, that you might be able to um, get his hand in a machine. Uh, I, w- I would like to know, I understood in the early part of the email that you said he was nonverbal, and I'm not sure if that if that is still true, if he's still nonverbal. Can you, uh, can you clarify that for me from the email? It said that um, he was diagnosed when he was two. He's now 13, and for the most part, he is nonverbal. Okay. Well, that's about one of the biggest challenges I can imagine having of um, being able to maintain a connected space of love. It sounds like, you know, the the stresses that you have going on in your world are just uh, extreme, even if he were a healthy young man. And, you know, one of the things we know is that when, when people become overwhelmed with stress and you know you mentioned stressful situations and I certainly hear they're very trying situations and recognizing that stress is created when we set a goal you know the functioning purpose of the mind is to carry out behaviors behaviors to assist us in achieving our goals and each time that something happens that conflicts with the goal that we hold, the tendency is for our stress level to go up. And the core of forgiveness is the canceling of goals that allows the stress level to drop. And it sounds like even most of the the, the most basic life goals of survival are, uh, are right there in your face. And uh, an extreme, I, I hesitate to call it an opportunity because it certainly is not a challenge that uh, unfortunately anybody should have to deal with. 
so I breathe with you. And when you talk about damaging things and then the work that you have to do to replace them, uh, it, it sounds ludicrous to say, well, cancel your goal for him to treat the remote in a way that keeps it functioning. But what will happen as you do that, and you know, whether he cooperates or not, is it will help at least to lower your stress level to look at each goal and, uh, you know, right down to if you've got a young man that's 13 and I know I've, I've been in situations where um, especially a young boy uh, is in extreme turmoil and the strength that they have is just, I mean, I'm 6'1 and, you know, used to be a bodybuilder, not, not anymore, but, but, you know, I could handle myself and I know that uh, I've confronted and worked with young people, young men, especially in that situation and how strong they can be is, uh, is quite a challenge. One of the things I, you know, aside from, and of course we've talked about the forgiveness process and uh, managing your own stress is is, a, is going to be beneficial to keep you out of your own power person dynamics, working through the power person dynamics. And, you know, it's it's like you're in one of the most extreme situations that anybody could be in and the most challenging I wonder if there's a way, if, you know, I don't know what state you're in, if there's any kind of, you know, support in the community that would assist you. You know, I'm not particularly familiar with what kind of support systems there are for autistic children, especially those who are um, in that kind of extreme behavior but I'm wondering if there's some sort of state support that you can turn to to assist you. And engaging in, you know, I'm, I'm certainly in a space of compassion and it's brings a little up for me. I'm I'm certainly breathing personally right now because thinking about your situation certainly uh, arouses some goals that I would have for me per you know, me personally being impacted by just thinking about you in that situation and how to support you. It's uh it's probably about one of the most challenging circumstances that I could think of, you know, for someone uh, living in this country, the kind of, you know, security that we have here. And if, if it's possible to call in, I, you know, it's, it's kind of hard without a conversation to, uh, to see if there are any more specific things that we could I drill down on. I think to this, assist. there's a hand up, and I, I've not seen the number before, so it may be her. Erin, is I hope this so. you? Yeah, can you hear me? Hey, Karen. Yes, yeah, we hi. can hear you loud and clear. Hey, good. I'm glad I figured that out. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to listen on my phone and then call in at the same time, but 
I just uh, I got off online and dialed the phone number, and here I am. So awesome. So tell me more about what's happening, and uh, I mean, well, here's your 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 stre- your your say again. Can you hear me? Okay, am I cutting out? Yes. No, no, no. You're loud and clear. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Um. So my thing is, um. I'm going through this extreme challenge, but I know it's not just a, oh, well, you know, get through it and, you know, hope someday he'll grow out of it and the hormones and things. This is why I was put on this earth, to see this boy through his autism challenge so that other families can have hope because the community out there that has these challenges end up having to make difficult choices to their son and or daughter in alternative living situations. Right. And that's not our gig. It's not. I'm 100% committed to doing the work to cancel out the generational junk in either one of our lives and everybody else's or whatever comes up. And that's why this... Um, forgiveness teaching is the missing link because I do meditation three times a day and uh, visualization and and practice not reacting and and sometimes I have the most amazing days where I he can just come at me and I'll grab him and I'll move the perfect way it's like kind of a perfectly choreographed tango and he's not hurt and I'm not hurt and I'm full of love and my heart is bursting with joy and but sometimes it's like oh my gosh just stop already look what you're doing to our home you know yeah um but I'm 100 percent um we're in Colorado so it's very expensive here so I have to hustle hard to pay the bills and stuff like that right and it's not even all of the um, available services and everything. People move from across the country to move to Colorado for services. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Those services are not available for us. There are not, um, I can't get paid to be his, his caregiver because of some glitch and this. And every time we reach out for a social group for him, they don't have anything. They got a waiting list three years long. And every door to the autism community is closing in our faces and it's like Hmm. it's just confirming to me we don't belong in this category we need to move through it you know what i mean and Uh it's a very touchy subject with a lot of people because they just think autism is a gift and all this other stuff and that's wonderful because autism is a huge spectrum and there is there are different levels but the level my son is at brings us such extreme limitations to our lives and our peace level and everything. Right. It's just not good for our brains. <laughs> it's not good for the... I hear the, you. I, I have great compassion and empathy for your situation right now and uh, wish there were a way we could reach out and have more of an impact. Have you looked at uh, things from a nutritional point of view? Yes. I... Um, I have him on uh, anti-inflammatory diet for the most part. He has very, very limited sugar, and I make, you know, natural juices for him and everything, but that doesn't even seem to impact him. It's more of a, it, it's, it 
comes out of nowhere. Like I said, between 3 and 4 a.m. is the time that um, a lot of his meltdowns happen um, because during the day he's pretty – he's extremely happy with school. He's got an excellent school placement and everything. He comes home. I just have to keep him well-fed because being hungry is a trigger – being too hot is a trigger, and it's been 95 degrees here in Colorado for the greater part of the summer, and we're finally getting a cool down the next couple of days. So super thankful for that. But um, right, yeah, we just so I don't know. Uh, let me how uh, let me understand. Any, so when it's hot, he has more of a problem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to keep our house like uh, super cool. And we can't do anything outside. Like if we went to the fair and it was 95 degrees, he would last about 10 minutes. And then it's because, and one of the other mothers in another support group um, explained the other day that she understands it as his body doesn't know that anxiety, like heat in his body feels like anxiety. Excitement, overexcitement, overstimulation feels like anxiety. He can't partition, you know, oh, I'm just feeling a little warm. It feels like anxiety to him because when he has a meltdown, he gets really hot and overheated. So, um, yeah, heat is a trigger for him. But I just, I don't know how to remain peaceful at times when I'm woken up out of a sound sleep at 3 a.m. to screaming and pounding and then be able to go in there and lovingly just, you know, put him back. <laughs> like I need a one-liner kind of. <laughs> Just remember right. this. <laughs> like anything I'm, negative I'm is not in love, and I I understand that, and I accept that, and I get that, and it's in my heart. But when there's that screaming that goes right through me and like gives me chills yeah. out of a sound sleep, it's like getting getting tasered by <laughs> and trying you know, to remain loving. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so extreme. You know, back to the to the uh, sensitivity to heat, because one of the things, you know, I mentioned the Avacyn, and what the Avacyn does is it heats the blood. And what yeah. they're finding actually, and and maybe your son is an anomaly or, or the others, the other kids who've been exposed, uh, it's an anomaly. But what the research has shown is that uh, a, a child that has autism with a fever tends to start to move more toward what would be called normal, out wow. of, away from the autism spectrum. And that's what they found with the Avacyn is that by heating the blood, and I'm wondering if, uh, if there's a difference, it's just, you know, I'm not I'll do some research. Unfortunately, I'm not familiar with it um, beyond what, you know, pretty much beyond what I've shared, but I'm wondering if if there is a difference between externally applied heat, you know, the temperature of the environment right. and the heating of the blood because they found, you know, one of the ways they discovered that the Avacyn was uh, beneficial to people with autism was, or one of the parallels is that they found that just, have you ever noticed if he has a fever as opposed to being externally heated? Is he ha- if he has a fever, does his behavior change? I was, 
I was just thinking about that when you were talking about it. And no, he's had a fever before and he's perfectly calm. He doesn't flip out. So it has got to be an external temperature thing. So then there's a difference between the internal and the external heat. That's interesting. Yeah. Had, yeah. had not thought of that before. Right, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to check that out, look to see if there are any um, anything around here in the um, community that has that device that we could come and trial or right. whatever before. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if you'll uh, send me your address, uh, if you okay. email it, or, or Jeannie will send you my phone number and let's have a conversation, and uh, okay. I'll do some inquiry and see if there's anybody there that, uh, you know, because if it's, hmm, I'm just, you know, racking my brain to see where the rationale is, why if heat is applied externally, it creates more agitation and is experienced as trauma. Um, right. And yet when when a fever occurs, he goes into calm. That's what they found with the Avacyn. You know, basically what the Avacyn does is it mimics a fever. And, you know, yeah. uh, while, while the world says, oh, if you've got a fever, take some aspirin, get rid of your fever, it's, that's horrible advice. It's horrendous advice. One, because aspirin is toxic. And two, the body's intelligent. It's creating a fever for a reason. It's, it's, a, it's a useful healing mechanism. Right. And uh, they've found, cons- you know, as far as I know, consistently is that um, the autistic, uh, wherever people are on the, on the spectrum, that they tend to move more toward a balance point with that um, uh, mimicking of a fever. And, and that, you know, I don't know if you, you're familiar with that idea in the community or if it's just if it's something that you're noticing, but, uh, but when uh, an autistic, as I understand it, an autistic uh, person has fever there, they tend to be more on the calm side and more balanced. Definitely, yeah, that's been my experience with them in the past. Yep. Well, you've opened, up, opened else, a whole so. new uh, realm of inquiry for me. I'll be doing some inquiry, <laughs> and I'll see if there's somewhere there that um, that we can get you hooked up with someone to uh, to take him to try the the device out. That would be um, great, Michael. Susan yes. has raised her hand. She had texted me and asked how Karen's uh, son was. And so she may have a comment. Susan, you're on the air with Karen. Hey, hi, Karen. And wow, I have a very good friend who had, uh, got a, had a son with autism, and they said he was so severe that she should institutionalize him. She refused. She's brilliant. She gave up her career to be his advocate. He is now a high, highly functioning 24-year-old, and I took care of him sometimes, and I took care of him once when he was sick and he had a fever, and he was normal. He was like a normal kid. And I said, what happened? And she said, well, that happens. But she, I wonder if you and she should be in touch. She that would be great. She is a brilliant, brilliant woman, um, and she, she, I know she speaks with other parents of autistic kids and have learned a great deal, done a lot of research. Um, I'm so getting goosebumps, Susan. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> well, that would be fantastic. so exciting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking up her number. It's well, wonderful. let's instead of doing is... that over the over the air, let's. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think we want to do that publicly, but <laughs> Susan, <laughs> oh, so I'll put. If it's okay with both of you, ladies, I'll put you directly in touch. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Thank you okay. so much. I'll give you phone oh. numbers, and but I'm I just uh, I'm now racking my naturopathic training and my naturopathic brain for what's the bottom line, what's going on here, and uh, mm-hmm. that physically applied temperature, you know, external temperature, is increasing trauma where um, internal increase in temperature, such as with a fever, which is exactly what the Avacyn does. It it mimics the fever and therefore uh, puts the immune system on alert and creates healing impact. Uh, That would be wonderful. what What I'm wondering... You know the the impact you know as a mom and and Susan with your your friend maybe this can be a, a conversation that opens and brings a breakthrough somewhere along the lines but I'm um, I'm wondering if um, you know the what the Avacyn does with its heat impact is it tends to open microcirculation and I'm wondering with autism if there's a part of the brain where microcirculation has been shut down a la um, sympathetic dominance if there's sympathetic dominance involved and that the heat whether it's a fever or induced by the avacyn and what the other thing that happens when that blood temperature goes up that eight tenths of a degree is that I'll just wait till the show cuts us off and if we get cut off if you'd send your number or Jeannie's got it we'll we'll do a three-way call but I'm wondering if um, if the uh, what the Avacyn does when the that blood temperature gets up is is the body shifts from sympathetic dominance into parasympathetic which Uh, opens higher brain function. When one's in sympathetic dominant, basically fear, fight, flight, freeze, it cuts off, um, literally cuts off blood flow to the higher centers of the brain. Mm. And that's one of the things that the Avacyn does is restores that higher center by moving people into, you know, uh, parasympathetic dominance and uh, activating the vagus nerve. And so wow. I'm wondering if it's uh, if it's to do with circulation to, and of course, the frontal lobes is where the control center is, where where behavior and you know all of those things exist. Right. So I'm just thinking what we can do with this to uh, bring it to the autistic community and and see. Who else we can enlist that uh, might help us to uh, to understand this on a deeper level? And that would be wonderful because we've tried everything. We've tried supplements and minerals and B12 shots and you know everything out there. Sort of changing right. the diet. Yeah. Have you have you looked at the the work that's being done in the brain gut connection? Um, and, yeah. And. Um, I have him okay. on a fire probiotic um, to right. That uh, was my next question: was to how? What are you doing with probiotics and uh, yep. gut health? 
I just actually sent Jean. I didn't have your number, but I sent Jeannie a link. I have a a uh, a notification for a conference on uh, um, or a workshop on gut brain health, which I think is oh. important in all kinds of mental disturbances. And that's oh, um, yeah. it sounds like it sounds like this is a a shift into an extreme state of sympathetic dominance. Uh, yes. which I've never thought of as applying to um, autism before, but uh, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And have you looked into mechanisms for stimulating the vagus nerve? No, because um, I've watched, the co- I've, I had an audible book on it and then some other information that, it got a little confusing to me. Like they were talking about it, but they weren't actually giving a technique. <laughs> like, so yeah, I'm okay. really interested in that also. Right. Well, one technique. I mean, there's actually a device that uh, that Avison sells. It's a, a heart stress device, and it measures uh, where somebody is on the scale of sympathetic to parasympathetic dominance, and most people move significantly after 30 minutes of putting your hand, you know, I'm talking about just anybody, not someone with autism in yeah. particular, but their their sympathetic dominance score shifts uh, quite significantly in the direction of parasympathetic and, and stimulating the vagus nerve. And uh, that's what opens up blood flow to the brain. Wow. And uh, that's that's just got to be what's at the core of this. Yeah, it's got to be. Yep. And I know Brandon is, you know, after he has a meltdown, he he's right back to his baseline loving, sweet self, and he'll, like, touch me where he pinched me or hit me or, you know, he'll touch the wall gently because he's sorry that he did. And he doesn't want to be, you know, in that state of mind either. Right. So, well, you know, the core, the core of the sympathetic dominance is fear. And the whole thing sounds oh, like a fear yeah. state, an extreme fear state. And, right. you know, of course, when, when people are in that kind of stressful fear, what are they going to do but lash out? I mean, that's just that's right. pretty much, uh, you know, the normal process. And I, do you, does he have the cognitive ability, if you have a conversation with him about what he wants and goals, is he able to express uh, in that regard? No, he's still mostly nonverbal. Um, he can answer yes or no questions, but if I said, hey, what would you do at school today? He'd look at me like, what? <laughs> he's extremely hmm. intelligent, and he actually has a very great sense of humor also. He gets right. um, sarca- sarcasm Sweet. and everything, but, um, uh-huh. yeah, he does not have conversation. So that that could be a huge basis of fear going on in his head that he's got so much going on in his body and his head and he can't express it and it's just difficult to express yeah Yeah. so one of my thoughts is that you might take um and i'll I'll send you some of the simple uh, or a copy of one of the simpler worksheets on forgiveness and uh, you might be able to verbally walk him through that and and help him to build the brain cells to recognize that goals create stress and when he's under it's I suspect when it's under stress that's when he would tend to move into that sympathetic dominant place 
Right. And that perhaps he can, even if he's not verbally capable of it, that mentally he can begin to cancel the goals that tend to take him into that stress place. And again, one defaults to power person dynamics, one defaults under high levels of stress to uh, the baseline behaviors. And so perhaps, you know, if you can walk him through that, and and yeah. you know do that in a, a way that's like extremely repetitive, especially yeah. when he's in that gentle space, so that he mm-hmm. can comprehend uh, what's happening there. That might be a key to, yeah, for him to be able to cancel the goals that you know his frustration level builds, and and that just reinforces the cutting off of blood flow to the higher centers of the brain. You know, I mean, when somebody's in fight and flight, you're in the jungle, alliance chasing you. You don't need to figure out a calculus problem. You really don't need the frontal lobe right. of the brain. What you need is you need blood flow to muscles to fight and run, and that's what sympathetic dominance is. And so right. by uh, if he can get to the point of uh, weakening the goals that lead him to that higher pitch, that mm-hmm. may help him to stay more in that um, parasympathetic state. Right. And in the parasympathetic state, I mean, everything works better. Rest. Now, I know sleep is usually a problem with, with autistic um, people, and so stress, uh, being able to relieve that stress might help him to, does he have a challenge with sleep? As you, well, you said he's 3 um, in the morning when he comes up with this. He, yeah, when he gets up, it's always between 3 and 4 in the morning, but usually um, he, since school wears him out, um, he sleeps really well. Um, and Julia uh-huh. sent me that book, that uh, the book on the ch- um, the children's book about healing children, whatever. The oh, healing children. Thing. Okay, well, there's seven levels of worksheets. That is what I was going to send you. So if you've got that book, yeah. go in and start looking at the uh, the first worksheet that Julie's written about there and perhaps yeah. see if you can get him to comprehend that idea of connecting the goal with the stress level that takes him into that extreme behavior because it sounds like he doesn't like it any more than you do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And we go through the, I have him read the commitment and I've explained it to him what capable means and what teachable means and stuff and he gets it. And so we read that every day before school and also before bed at night. So that's very helpful, too. Sweet. And I know he gets it because when he gets to the last line and says, I am love, he just beams with, (laughs) Hmm. he's just so Hmm. happy. I am love. Like, he gets it. Like, he feels what he's reading. It's terrific. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe if you can get to, you know, and I don't know how much work you've done with the forgiveness process itself, but, you know, the thing that drives all behavior is goals. And when stress and the way to set stress in the mind is by setting goals. And so there may be internal goals that he's got that lead him to that level where when, you know, the breaking point comes, it's just, you know, that extreme behavior and that maybe he can, if you do extreme repetitiveness with him in understanding to cancel the goal, he may be able to get some, you know, locus of control internally with that. Right, by right. being able to 
realize what his goals are, even though he can't verbally express them, and cancel them might be uh, a way to drop his stress back and uh, yeah. create some some new levels of healing. And then uh, with this yep. lady that Susan has and the resources she's got, let's see what we can do. I'm I'm on on board uh, with any Excellent. support and assistance I can be. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys so, so much and your sincere, your sincerity and wanting to help people and stuff. I mean, um, I think it was a couple of radio shows ago that you said, let's do this together. If you need help, ask for it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just want to ask for it so bad. Yeah, well, that's, that's why we do the show, you know. Yeah, is to to be here for support. That's the whole idea, and it's interesting yeah. that uh, this has never happened before, because at the uh, the on the hour mark, uh, Blog Talk Radio cuts off our conversation automatically. We have no control over it. We're now ten minutes over. Huh. It's never happened before, right? So we're getting <laughs> we're definitely getting a level of cooperation from the universe here yeah. <laughs> to continue this conversation. <laughs> I'm I'm excited and delighted to uh, to be able to connect oh, on this too. level and and it's just you, I mean my brain is worrying I've got some people I'll be checking in with to see if we can get another level of understanding of what's going on here and uh, whew, that's awesome exciting and exciting. and our hearts go out to you for the uh, the trauma that you've been put through and I certainly acknowledge you as a mom. And as a human being for saying, I'm committed and I'm going to go through this, whatever it takes, that's, takes, that's yeah. just, you know, amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Julia has been there for me. I mean, I don't know how she does it. But I just vent to her sometimes. And I know she's going through her own challenges and stuff, but I literally don't have anyone else to talk to about right. I've had friends tell me I can't be your friend anymore because your life is stressing me out so bad. I don't want to hear about hmm. it. And they weren't right. real friends, obviously, but um, Julia is. And she always comes back with, like last night, Brandon was yeah. having a um, really bad fit. And, he said, and I said, oh, I just want to see you're too big and you're too old to be throwing such a terrible temp- temper tantrum. I know I'm talking to an autistic child. I know, but in the moment, I'm just like, stop. Yeah. And Julia said, Julia spoke the truth in love to me. And she said, okay, Karen, but now who is really having the temper tantrum? <laughs> because right. there you are, right. you know. And I just, I can accept it from her because she just, she's a true friend and she really loves me and wants to see us through this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're on board with you on the same level. I really appreciate that. I couldn't and, be ha- uh, happier right now that I feel like I, I have a tribe going. <laughs> well, we're holding the space and uh, we'll do more inquiry and um, I will see if you go ahead and uh, Jeannie, I think, probably sent an email back to you, so my phone number will be there. She'll text me your address, and I'll uh, do some checking right away on, on whether or not I need to be communicating. I'm actually on their medical board uh, with Avison, okay. and I've got something I need to communicate about anyway, so I'll ask and see if there's anybody out there that um, you know has a space to uh, to let you try a machine. Okay, and great. Susan Thanks so contact, much. Susan contacted her friend. Her name's Lydia. And uh, she said she would love to help, and she has many resources. Absolutely. So I'll be sending you Lydia's number and sending Lydia uh, yours. Oh, wonderful. 
Awesome. And Terrific. if you keep us posted on progress and what I like, I want to learn, I want to understand what this whole autistic thing is about. And I mean, it just like clicks for me. This has got to do with, with the centers of the brain that are being deprived of oxygen and nutrition. Yes. Yes. And uh, as a result of stress. And so right. it's just putting together the fever and the fact that you confirm when he has a fever, he's calm. And yeah. when people have that uh, induced fever or simulated fever through the Avacyn, that they tend to move into that same calmness. It's got to have to do with opening microcirculation to the brain. You know, about a fifth of the blood flow of the body goes to the brain, oh. uh, and which is which is amazing when you think of the uh, the you know. The you know, body weight of, say, somebody who's 150 pounds, you've got three pounds of brain, and yet it's taking a fifth of the blood supply in order to keep wow. the brain going. And it's got to have to do with that microcirculation and blood getting yes. blood, carrying oxygen, nutrition into the brain. And the other function is that once it's dropped this load of oxygen, nutrition, then it uh, carries away wastes. And, you know, one of the byproducts of metabolism is carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide is an acidic gas. And if it's not being carried away, then you've got an acidic condition. And what happens with fluids that are acidic is they drive out oxygen. Acidic fluids mm. don't carry or hold oxygen. It takes alkaline mm. fluids to do that. And so if a part of the brain is becoming acidic, then it's having trouble getting oxygen. And, you know, there's another one other thing that comes into the conversation that I think about, and there is a, uh, we'll send you a link to the product that we use. It's very inexpensive, like a two-pound tub of it is uh, is uh, $38, uh, and it's um, MCT oil powder. And oh. what what they're finding with people with, let's say, Alzheimer's, and I'm wondering if this kind of relates, if this is maybe a blood sugar problem. Mm-hmm. In Alzheimer's, there, there are actually physicians who are calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. And the reason is because there isn't um, insulin in the brain. And without insulin in the brain, sugar can't get into the cell to feed the cell, to fuel the cell. Wow. And, and the short-chain fatty acids in um, MCT oil powder, and it's a very pleasant product to take and very inexpensive, uh, the body can use it as fuel, the brain can use it as fuel without, uh, without insulin. So it's very inef- very efficient at getting into the tissue and and fueling the cell. Uh, we actually have, I found that as a result of doing some research for, for my uh, father-in-law, who had Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's dementia, and uh, we saw him go from a space where, like one of the things that we did since we moved here to take care of him was. Dominoes was our morning game. We just played. That was just like a, a morning thing we do over breakfast. And mm-hmm. uh, he got to the point after having uh, contracted COVID, where he could hardly recognize us and certainly couldn't play dominoes. Uh, and within two weeks of getting him on the MCT oil powder, he was beating us at dominoes again at 87. Wow. 
So I'm wondering if MCP oil powder might, uh, if if this might involve blood sugar as well. And that's why the gut-brain connection would be so important. Right. So we're going to send you a link to... um, to the product we use, by, we buy it on Amazon. As I say, I think it's $38 for a two-pound tub. And, you know, start slowly be because it, it can be uh, upsetting to the stomach if you take too much at first. I'm up to the point we use it prophylactically uh, because we saw such an impact with, uh, with Jeannie's dad. Uh, but I'm up to the point wow. where I'll take uh, maybe two t- tablespoons at a time. But you might start wow. him with just a small amount, you know, half a teaspoon and, and work up and see if that makes any difference. Uh, I'm wondering, just, yeah. you know, just all, it's like a lot of things are going on right now that, that click, and uh, I'm loving the right. fact that, um, that Blog Talk Radio is letting us go on here. I'm, this, this is I a, know. <laughs> a first, like, <laughs> somebody's on our side here. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, cool. Great. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.